you might have noticed, uh, if you paid attention to the slides this morning, we had some special slides about some very famous uh, bromance going on. Um, like, uh, there's a couple Lord of the Rings ones for you fellow nerds out there. So this morning we're talking about, we're talking about a lot about friendship. And let me um, kind of frame our new, uh, our new series for you, The Love Buzz. Everybody say Love Buzz. Love Buzz. I'm gonna draw that buzz down. Love Buzz. That was another call to repeat after that. Love Buzz. Love Buzz. hanging. Good. Alright, so we're gonna kick off a four-part four series called The Love Buzz, and here's what it focuses on. God's plan to overtake the world with His love. And when you think about something that has buzz, what's that mean? It means that it starts to attract, starts to draw attention, it starts to create something that spreads, something that goes viral when you get a buzz about it, and that God, His plan to take over this world is through loving us on a very personal way. Um, this is a refreshingly simple plan. This is not profound, it's very simple. We make big plans and complicated. If we wanted to take over the world, then we would make it very, very complicated. But He has done it in a very simple, um, practical way. And that's to love us. And it will generate a buzz that will take over the world one person by one person because it spreads. So today we're going to start focusing on the buzz personally. That love buzz personally in our lives. The love that comes from the Father to us on a very personal level. And I want to read, I want to kind of frame a passage. I'm going to frame this series with a passage of Scripture out of Titus. Um, Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 8. Let me read those to you. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us. Not because of righteous things that we have done, but because of His mercy, He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. And He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. I want to stress these things to you so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. So we're going to take this journey over the next four weeks of the love that He has for us personally, the love that He has for us privately as a church body, and then the love that He has for us uh, globally and practically in our world and in our community. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to generate a lot of love buzz. We've even got the hashtag we commandeered love like hashtag. So be sure to use that if you understand what hashtags do. Uh, some of you might not. It's okay. Um, if you will, Derek, you bring up that slide about the plan. So you remember when, when we started Ephesians, we did a text-based reading plan. Um, that would uh, come daily to your phone. We've got one started for this series as well. And uh, we're going to bring up the instructions for how to get to that. There we go. So what you're going to do, and it's going to start tomorrow, today. It's going to start today. It's going to pop up on your phone today, I think, or tomorrow. So what you want to do is text 
the love buzz to 72717. And it's going to send you daily a reading plan to kind of read through um, some scripture together as a church body that's going to reflect this series. It's going to be a great tool for you and uh, really get us all on the same page. So, the love buzz personally. Everybody got notes? Anybody need notes? You good? Raise your hand if you need notes. You good? Okay. The love buzz personally is revealed in God's friendship to us. Friendship to us. God wants to be your friend. He desires friendship with you. And His plan to take over the world begins with being your friend. And this sounds really, really oversimplified. But it's not. It's not. This is not a difficult thing. And it's not a revolutionary thing. But what I want this today to be for you is a freeing thing. That He desires friendship with you and an intimate level of friendship with you. This, this should be a freeing thing this morning. It's freeing that God chose to love you through something that is so elementary. Being friends. I've got a three-year-old. She can't tie her shoes. She can't multiply. She cannot bake a frozen pizza. She can barely adequately wipe her behind when she goes, right? I mean, this, this is the, the joys of being through. But she can build friendship. She has friends. She's three years old and she's got friends. For better or worse, she knows how to do relationship. Um, some of them I don't really want to have friendship with, and so I might try and curb that. But she knows how to do friendships. And she'll come home and she'll tell me about her friends, the things that they've done, the things that they said, and I'll be like, oh, really? He said that? Well, next time he says that, you just walk away and play with this friend. <laughs> or also the next time he breathes or thinks, you just go play with another friend, right? We just try to frame her friends with some of the but she knows how to do relationship. It's, it's, not, it's not something we had to train in her. It's something that came very naturally. And the awesome thing about what God is doing in you and through you and in our world is He's using something that natural. Relationship, friendships. It's implicitly understood as even as kids. So what we want to do this morning is um, look at the evolution of relationship in four pieces. Okay? If you've got your notes... You got a big idea on that that I'll fill in a little bit, but you've got four pieces to the evolution of relationship. Okay? Anybody need notes? Speak now forever. Notes. Number one, the first level of uh, the evolution of relationship is stranger. Like I have two fingers in the one Number one is stranger. Okay, and what I want to do is I want to frame this level of relationships with you and people, so the horizontal stranger relationship, and then the vertical, how this fits in with Jesus, um, each one of these. So horizontally, this level, you don't even know the other person exists. Uh, she's not on your radar. You don't like or dislike this guy. You just don't know him until you meet him or bump into him. Um, this relationship is effectively 0% not groundbreaking, okay? That's what a stranger is. Now, let's think about um, this, this level of relationship with Jesus. Vertically, being a stranger with Jesus. This would be you 
max, at the most part, knowing that there is some guy named Jesus that these religious people are all up in arms about. And that's about the extent of your knowledge of him. That's about all that you know. You're not sure why they are, but they're kind of nuts about this guy. That would be you vertically a stranger with Jesus. And if that's you this morning, here's what I want you to understand. That while Jesus might be a stranger to you, you are never a stranger to Jesus. You are never a stranger to Jesus. And Psalm 139, 14 through 16 tells us that He knew you before He created you. Ephesians 2, and, and these, I'm going to give you a lot of references, and they're all in this outline. Uh, if you want the expanded outline, you can get that on the website, uh, or you could uh, conversely use your QR code on the notes and download it this morning if you wanted to follow along. Ephesians 2, 11 through 12, Paul tells us that we were a stranger with no hope without Jesus. We were a stranger with no hope. Romans 5, 7 through 8 tells us that God loved us enough to send Jesus to die while we were still sinners and in rebellion to Him. Romans 6.23 tells us that while we deserve death for our sins, He gifted you life. So you were never a stranger. You were never a stranger to Jesus. He has known you before the world did. And that's a promise to hold on to. So the first level is, is being a stranger. The second level of relationship is acquaintance. <coughs> acquaintance. There's a C before the key. Okay. I misspelled that a lot. This is how, this is the, hey, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Level, right? And then if you really catch someone off guard, they'll ask you, how you are again, they'll do they'll repeat the step because nobody really actually cares how you are and they just it's a just a mental thing. Uh, that's this kind of level. It, it's barely like first name basis. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm, I don't have a great memory, so I'm prone to call people uh, like nicknames because I don't know your name. So I mean, this is the for me. It's a lot of like pal and guy and. Uh, Hey, you, or buddy, friend. Now, if I've done that to you, you know, this morning, it doesn't necessarily mean I know your name. Because I absolutely do. Yeah, right. Yeah. Absolutely. It's kind of a first name basis at best. Or at best, you know the name. You might know the office location. Generally, what they do for a living. And then he has a daughter named Kayla, even though her name is actually pronounced Kayla. So now there's a D, so I get that a lot. This, it's a very surface level. Now that, that is, um, what I was thinking is this is like if you got some bad cliff notes, and you didn't even do a good job reading those, you skimmed the cliff notes. Everybody remember cliff notes, right? Cliff notes is how a lot of, you know, you, I mean, past um, high school and college. So it's like you got bad cliff notes, and then you didn't even read them well, you skimmed them. That's how... Kind of how you know an acquaintance. So think acquaintance with Jesus. As an acquaintance of Jesus, you know the message of the church. You know what we preach. You've heard it. You've heard the gospel. It's about you needing a Savior from your sins to make peace between you and God and give you new hope of eternal life. For whatever reason, you've never trusted in Him for salvation. 
They never follow Jesus. Okay, that's you as an acquaintance. I get it. I know pretty much who you are, but we're not friends. Um, this is you knowing sort of the big picture of Jesus. But at the same time, he knows the hairs on your head. It's in Luke 12. He knows the hairs on your head and, and, and believes you to be valuable. So if you're an acquaintance of Jesus this morning, he knows you a lot more deeply than that. And so while maybe you haven't come to, to trust in Jesus for salvation, even though you know the message, for some of you it's that you think following him means there's no more fun, there's no more joy in life, and you've got this long list of rules that you've got to follow. Anybody could, a lot of you could probably attest to that if you raise your hands this morning. You think that it's kind of the end of the, the fun you or the good life that you've got. When Jesus is saying, following me brings fullness and joy and hope and freedom. What did he tell us in John 10? When he tells us that he didn't just come to give us life, but an abundance of life. To the fullest, to, to more full than we could ever imagine. So that's an acquaintance with Jesus is a surface level. I know, I know who he is. I kind of know what he's about. But he's not my friend. Okay? Does this making sense? I told you, it's not a revolutionary morning. We all know relationships. We've all got strangers and acquaintances. Number three is friend. Okay? The third level of relationship is friend. Alright? I really need you to need you to hear me when I tell you that I know there's a fourth level down there but when I get to the third level and I say friendship it's not like a trick here I'm not tricking you to say well this one's not legit friendship because we've got this better one that's coming up in the fourth slot this is friendship this is legitimately a friend the word is phylos in the Greek and it means beloved dear fond one or friendly, and Jesus uses it often to refer to us. This is legitimate friendship. You've got a lot of people in your life that are on this level. With this person, you talk. You check in on their Facebook. You, you hang out once in a while, and you just kind of naturally gravitate towards each other. And if you're at work, and there's a big room, you've got to go, everybody's got to go pick a seat, and you're going to gravitate towards one of these friends. This is a legit friendship. It's a real, tangible thing. You are buying what they're selling. Okay? This is not a trick. You're buying what your friend is selling. Let's think about Jesus here. First of all, let me, let me frame this for you. John 15. Um, it's a great, great passage. We're going to look at it in a couple different spots. But John 15, verse 15 and 16. Here's what he tells us. He says, I have called you, friend. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I called you, friend. That's not true. There's not a different word there. There's not a secret special word. Uh, it's not, I'm not more of a friend if I've been with Jesus longer. But as a Christian... He says, I call you friend. You went from 
stranger and acquaintance to a legitimate friend of God. You did not earn his friendship by being awesome. Though many of you, in fact all of you, are quite awesome. You didn't earn his friendship by being awesome. In Ephesians 2, we, we saw this in the very start of the Ephesians series. By grace, by grace through faith you have been saved, not a result of your works, or else you would boast about it. You did not become his friend because of how good you were, and you cannot lose his friend based on if you're a horrible friend. And John 6, 37, 39 says, those that I have, those the Father given me, I'm not going to get rid of one of them. I will not lose one of my friends. You're not going to, you don't have to live in this fear of worrying with Jesus as your friend. And, and again, I'm talking to believers here. And some of you are not believers in this room today. Okay? And we're glad that you're here. But friendship with Jesus comes with being a follower of Jesus. Being a born-again Christian follower of Jesus is his friend. That's who he has called his friends. And you don't have to worry about waking up and checking in on Facebook and he gave you one of those lame, like, it's time to find out who my real friends are messages. <laughs> well, if you put those up there, I'm sorry if that hurt your feelings. So you don't have to worry about Jesus telling you, look, you got 48 hours to spend four hours in prayer with me and you better read six Bible books and you better stop screwing up so much, or our friendship is over, right? <laughs> I'm going to drop you. You don't have to worry about that with Jesus. This is a real friendship. And listen, some of you think, some of you have a hard time seeing Jesus as your friend, because You've got this idea of what he did for you on the cross is, is some kind of, while we know it was a, a, an emotional thing, a horrible, painful thing, you've still got this belief that it's, it's like this impersonal transaction. And he's, he works at a bank and he's just stamped you. And then he slid your paper across the desk and it was like, next, next. I never heard of stamping. It's that noise. It's just what came out. Um, you've got this. You want, you want me to do that again? Ignore that. Um, you've kind of got this impersonal thing that Jesus is this guy that made a transaction for your soul, and now you just need to not take him off. And you got to try really hard to not take him off all the time. And you're worried about, you're, you're kind of still worried that number four is there looming on your paper because you think that it's this legit friendship that I'm getting ready to drop like a hammer in a minute. And that you don't really, as a Christian, just a, a believer, have a friend in Jesus yet. You're kind of still worried about that. Here, here's what I need you to hear today is that you need to stop trying to please a deity and start resting in a friendship. I want you to, to look, to look at me and, and hear this again. You, some of you need to stop 
trying to please a deity and start resting in a friendship. This morning, the big idea, some of you only need half of it, okay? Here's your big idea. As a believer, you can't get more of Jesus. But Jesus can get more of you. And some of y'all don't even need to write down the second half. Some of you need to rest in the fact that He has called you friend. He chose you for a reason. He did not misspeak when He said, You are my friend. He did not settle for you. He didn't say, I'm going to have my spirit dwell in you as a home because you're not the worst one I've seen. No, He said, You are a great home and the longer I dwell in you, the better I will make you because you are my friend. He is pleased with you because you are His friend. You got the fullness of Jesus at salvation. You can't get any more of Him. I don't have any more Jesus than any of you. The people that are craziest the most about Jesus. Like, Justin standing up here, like, does he not contain his love for Jesus? Man, he doesn't have any more Jesus than you. Because Jesus gave us all that he had. So as a believer, you can't get more of him. He can't get more of you. But some of you just need to stop that. Because aren't you tired? Aren't you just tired of your Christianity is always trying not to tick him off? And always trying to please him. And always trying to be adequate and earn this thing. When he already told us, I mean, you can earn it to start with. Why would I make you earn it now? Some of you need to hear God in a still, small voice say, Child, you've got all of me you can possibly have. Because I gave it freely, and I never asked you to earn it, and I have asked you to maintain it. And if that helps you breathe in deep right now, and it changes your perspective, then don't listen to anything else I have to say for the rest of the day and pick up any more words. Seriously. Draw a picture. Do it. Leave. It's okay. It'll be okay. It really will be okay. If, if you can hear that and have peace about who Jesus is in your life and rest in that, just tune me in. Um, Matthew 11, 28-30. I'll read this to you. And jot that down. Matthew 11, 28-30, Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I mean, if you read that and you say, oh, no, burns heavy. It's not light. It's weighing me down. Man, you are carrying the 
religion around on your back and not relationship. And you need to drop that jump off. Okay? And you need to rest in the fact that He called you Um, you walk in the day as a stranger to Jesus I want you to leave an acquaintance I want you to just have heard what he did for you heard that he paid for your sins so that you could have peace to God so that you could spend eternity with God the Father and not in, in eternal separation from God I want you to hear that and I want you to process it all week long. And I want you to chew on that. And I want you to, I want you to wrestle with that. And if, if you really did need a Savior, and is this church legit that they're just telling me that I need it? Or they just want me to come here and tithe or something? I want you to wrestle with that. I want you to hear the message of Jesus. Hear that He has chose to, He wants to be your friend and that He loves you. And that He loves you before He built you. I want you to rest in that day. If you were a stranger, I want you to leave an acquaintance. I would love for you to leave a friend. We certainly would not block that from you today. But man, if you came in as an acquaintance and you already heard this message, but you've not given your life to Jesus, today I want it to be the day you go from acquaintance to one he calls friend. I want you to give your life to Jesus. I want you to put your trust in him that the work he did on the cross is good enough for your salvation and you don't need anything else. I want you to be a fellow brother or sister in Christ with me today. Walk, walk this with us. Do this life with us. And if you came in as a believer and as a friend of Him, you came in, or you came in thinking that Jesus is my Savior and Jesus is my Lord, but not necessarily Jesus is my friend, again, I want you to rest in that. I want you to leave today just saying, wow, He is my friend. He didn't misspeak. So, man, for like, that's three out of four parts today that you can just take a breather and you can be done, right? Because you've got the food that you need. So for everyone else, here's this fourth level. And um, we all progress here. We all uh, get to this point naturally in relationships. And I'm, we're going to kind of look at how and why. But this last one is companion. This last level is companion. So we had stranger, acquaintance, friend, companion. And this is friendship plus intimacy. I know, I said the word intimacy. We have a hard time taking that word and, and allowing it to apply to our non-spousal relationships. Spousal relationships? Uh, we, we have a hard time, right, sometimes applying that to mean anything but just a sexual relationship with a spouse or a person. But intimacy means to know. It means to know someone. To deeply know them. To be united with them. To know them inside and out. And yes, that goes in marriage, but yes, that goes in friendships. That goes in, in, in relationships with, with, with the same sex, okay? That goes that you can have, a, as a guy, an intimate relationship with another guy and it has nothing to do with worldly intimacy. 
It has everything to do with unity and relationship and closeness and you know each other. That is this level. It is friendship to the next level. It is friendship plus intimacy. It means that you know each other. It means you know their innermost secrets, you know their fears, you know their hopes and their dreams. This absolute trust in one another. Like you don't, it means this person, you don't give a second thought whether or not you can trust them. Like for, even on a friendship level, man, you we struggle like, can I really trust this person or not? On a companion level, you don't even give it a thought. You know, your heart knows before your head knows that you can trust this person. It's complete confidence in them. It's knowing that if you've got no one else, you've got this companion. And the best example we've got of this in Scripture, and, and I would encourage you to go read this and kind of learn from this later, is uh, in 1 Samuel 18. The book of 1 Samuel chapter 18, it talks about David and Jonathan. And, you know, everyone you know, speculates in today's world that they all, oh, they must have been gay because of how close they were and how much they loved each other. But man, it was, it was an intimate friendship that our world has a hard time comprehending now. Because it was united in God. And it, it describes what they had together as their souls were knit together and that Jonathan loved David's soul as his own and that is unity that is a brotherhood like no other that almost rhymed and that would have been fantastic listen these relationships don't happen overnight they don't happen in large batches okay Jesus didn't have companion relationships with tons and tons of people. And he fed those 4,000. They were mostly acquaintances or barely above the stranger level. And he had his friends who were his you know, 12 disciples and a few other intimate followers. But then he, he had his closest level. There were like three guys. And then you can make an argument that John stood on this island of his own. That pun was not intended. But you... It broke down even to more of an intimate level the further that it went with these guys for Jesus. This happens in small batches. But I can tell you this, that it does happen. And that you do need it. And that He designed you for this. He designed you for this kind of relationship. He designed you for companionship and not just with a spouse. With men, with other men in your life. Women, with other women in your life. Have we mentioned community groups at the gathering? You might not have ever heard this term. Um, that's why we do community groups. And that's why we tell you about community groups almost as much as we tell you about Jesus. Right? And it's the stories like Paul told you earlier. And there's plenty more of those. So, you know, if community groups is not is still not on your radar, this is why we do community groups. And this is why, like, we can honestly tell you that Sunday mornings are the least important part of the week for us. The other six days are drastically more important. Because that's us living in a relationship with one another and, and doing these community groups in our homes. That's where you get this kind of deep-rooted 
companionship with other believers. And Paul's going to talk about that. Um, I'm not going to camp out there. But let's, let's kind of um, try to land this thing um, and put some, put some feet to, to friendship. So if I wanted to grow a friendship into a companionship, what would I do? Like, this is not a trick question either because you know how relationships work. I would spend time with them. I actually have that written down. See, I told you, it's not revolutionary. What would I do if I wanted to grow a friendship? Play along. I don't have great ears, so you gotta talk about I would be intentional, okay? I would go out of my way for that person. What else? What if I wanted to build a friendship? If I wanted to grow it? I would learn each other. I would learn everything about each other. What else would I do to, to grow a friendship? I hear things. Come on, say it loud. You're in, it's okay, you're in church, I know. I get it. I mean, it's supposed to be quiet and all this. It's not here. So, what? I would serve them. I would be, love that answer. I would be vulnerable with that person. And I would open my heart up to that person. Not worried about how that's going to make me feel or, or what I'm revealing and putting out on the table. And I'd be vulnerable for that person. What else? I would invest in them. That's the actual answer. That's like the sum up answer. You got it. So I would learn them inside out and I, I, would, I would do what is right by them. I would seek to, to do what they need and to help them. Um, I would support. I would share. I would encourage. And guess what your, your friend does in response to this? What does your friend do in response to these things? Same thing. The same thing. Just turns right around and, and reciprocates this. Um, and it goes from friendship to companionship. To an intimate I know you. So summing this up, you hit the nail on the head. To grow a friendship, I must invest in a friendship. Investing in friendship will transform it into companionship. To grow a friendship, I must invest in a friendship. If I invest in a friendship, it transforms into companionship. Listen, you know, the greatest companion that I've got is my wife. You know, Jennifer is my greatest companion. And we start out as strangers. And we develop into an acquaintance. And then we, we became friends over the, the span of, 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 of dating and, and, a, and an engagement. And, and we said, you know, we said I do to being your friend for eternity. And that was, I was thinking, I was thinking about this. We've been engaged and married for over a decade. We got engaged December 2003. Over a decade we have been together. And this thing didn't start out as a companionship to begin with. And it built, it grew. And we've had almost nine years of marriage to develop relationship. An intimate relationship with one another. And we have become 
each other's closest companions. So much that, man, we know each other inside and out. I can tell you anything about her. Like, I, I can't even, I can't keep myself from her. Because we are companions. I can't keep anything about me from her. You want me, you want me to be vulnerable with you? Be a you case in point? Man, the Bible tells us that um, outbursts of rage is a sinful thing. And it's a fleshly thing. And it's not a fruit of the Spirit. It's fruit of the flesh. Man, that's why my hand is broke right now. My hand is broke right now. Because, I don't know what you struggle with, but I struggle with outbursts of rage. And so I punched a wall, and my hand is broke right now. Here's some vulnerability. And it hurts. And I lied to my wife about it for well over a week. And every time I went to get some hypervision, she wanted to know what was what was wrong with me? Because she's every time you reach in the medicine cabinet, she thinks that you're getting ready to vomit and you have a stomach virus. <laughs> I told you, I never heard. So, what's wrong? What's wrong? Just hit up. What's wrong? You throw up? So every time she wanted to know why I was taking ibuprofen, I tell her it was because I was getting old because I'm 30 or my, I had a headache or something. And so because I was, you know, that's an embarrassing thing to. to to pour out sin like that, and, and I kept that from her and for a week, and I, and I lied to her, and man, my hand hurts, <laughs> and it still does. So if you were starting to wonder, man, why does Phil always give left-handed high fives lately and hugs? That's why, because your hands hurt, and you guys too, man, when you shake my hands, and why is his right hand always in his pocket? Why does he got in his pockets? <laughs> this with you, not because I sinned against you and what I did, but because I lied to you and because and because we're open and because we are one together because I can't keep this from you. It was like spewing out of me. I know that sounds like a silly thing, but that's just us being united. So I said, well, I punched this wall and she said, did you punch a hole in it? And I was like, no, I didn't punch a hole in it. And, and I was like, it's not because I'm not strong. <laughs> I dented it. I dented it because I pushed it too hard, too close to a stud in the wall. Man, I would have knocked into the other room if it was if I had taken my tape measure and measured 16. The 16 12 my house is cheap, so it's probably 18. So I'm measuring it I'm going right in there, and I would have drawn a straight line and an X, and then practice, then I would never punch it because I've been like, you're an idiot. And so that's why you get a high five. So, man, I couldn't keep that from her. Our relationship just naturally, we just communicate and we serve each other and, and it has developed and grown. But listen, I didn't get any more of her. And she gave me all she had when she said I do in the, in the same way around. But I withheld me from her in that situation. I withheld some of me from her. Listen, think, think Jesus here. And you don't, big idea, you don't get more of Jesus, but He can get more of you and He wants all of you. 
Spencer, the first thing I did was repent to Jesus and say, I'm sorry, you've got to, you've got to keep fixing this in me. And um, you've got to keep fixing the sins in me and, and root them out. So then why I tell you that story is, is for a couple reasons. One, man, it, it helps you know there's hope for you, right? Because you don't around man, things, and they let me preach. So it, um, it tells you, it lets you see her response to me. Um, she didn't love me any differently, or our friendship didn't um, didn't change. Um, and with Jesus, and the, the sins that I commit don't he doesn't unfriend me. Okay, I haven't ticked him off. I have him in full. Okay, he is my friend, and he desires intimacy with me. So what about intimacy with Jesus? We're almost done. Um, can we just do the same thing? Can we just approach Jesus the same way? You told me, you told me, and you told me everything that were on my notes about how to grow a friendship. You didn't rely on me to stand up here and preach you those things. Can we not just do the same thing with Jesus? Does it have to work any differently? I mean, do I have to force growth with my wife? No. Like, it's been up and down. It's had ups and downs. It's a marriage. And that's what happens. You were two sinful people living together. And, but I don't have to force that. I don't have to have a, a checklist of how not to take my wife off and what to do to make us be better friends. I don't have to do that. It's a natural thing because it's just the, it's the development of our relationship. Can't we simply just invest in a friendship with Jesus and, and step back and say, you called me a friend, I'm going to I'm going to respond naturally to that. Let me just pursue that. Here's what I need you not to do, church. Don't interpret today as a call to more religion. It's a call to more relationship. And you know how to do relationship. And religion will kill you it killed Jesus, okay? Don't don't walk away today saying, well, i got to get better at this religion thing. Invest more in the relationship thing. Um, here's what I want to do. I want to read for you, and I don't, I don't read out the message version of the Bible much, um, but sometimes it just, um, the way that that is phrased, is just really cool, and um, I like to read that to you every now and then, but... Um, I want to. I want you. Uh, I want you to jot down John 15, 4 through 11. And um, were you able to get that up there? Cool. There this is the man, my buddy. He's got it for me. So this is John 15, 4 through 11, and this is how Jesus says to um, grow the friendship with Him that He's already set in place. Uh, all right. This is this is Him saying, "I'm your friend. I made that decision." I chose you. You didn't choose me. Here's where we go from here. I'd like to read this to you. So you can look up at the screen. Live in me. It's this Greek word, meno. And it means, sometimes it's written in your translations, abide. It means dwell. It means that. Live. Dwell in. Live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine. 
You can't bear fruit unless you join with me. I am the vine. You are the branches. When you're joined with me, and I with you, the relationship intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Any, anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up, and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home in me, and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my Father shows who He is. When, he, when you produce grapes, when you mature as disciples, I love you the way that my Father has loved me. There's no condition on it. It doesn't say, I will love you the way my Father loves me. You will love it says, I have loved you the way my Father loves me. Make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done. I've kept my Father's commands and made myself at home in His love. I've told you these things for a reason, for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. It's good stuff, right? That's just in there in your Bible. That's just him saying, look, I already called your friend. You got made me happy. I just want you to pursue me. I want you to invest in our relationship. And so while I know that this is not, I could have just done another. Read your Bible more, pray more, sin less kind of sermon. And then that weighs you down and you come back in three weeks saying, man, could keep it up. And Jesus will be looking at you saying, it's okay, I'm not mad at you, I don't dislike you, I don't love you less, I'm your friend, I am your father, you have a good father in God, just invest in me. I want to help to cap it off on that. Um, we know how to have a friendship with a promise that he's called his friend, let's invest in our friend. Can we just end up with that?